0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Talk, talking with Charlotte and Kiss. Today, uh, we are back with a really good news. Uh, my genetic report came back. So, what I'm talking about is 23andMe. It's a, I believe it's a company, is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a genetic, uh, like a gene testing uh, company in America. I think they are already doing their business in China because I saw some commercials of them before. Basically, the testing process is very easy. Um, you applied online. I mean, especially with the pandemic going on and everything, uh, there's no human, like person to person contact, obviously. And then the, you apply online and they mail you some kind of a testing kit there are very clear but simplistic instructions as to what you should do. Basically, you just spit into the tube and put the liquid into the tube and mail it back to them. And maybe like one month later, you get your report. And this report includes many aspects, such as...
1: Um, so I think it was primarily for your ancestry to figure out where your ancestors are from. And so, a lot of this stuff remained elusive up until about 20 years ago when they started testing maternal and paternal DNA lines, Mm -hmm. and then autosomal DNA lines. Mm -hmm. Um, Could go into the science, but I'm not super read up on that at this point. I've read it a while ago, but anyway, so at this point, they can pinpoint down to basically the province or state that you're from with a um, pretty high degree of accuracy um, about your ancestral origins.
0: Uh, I'm always curious, like, how can they determine, like, what genetic uh, sequence reflects where which place you're from? Is it because they already have a genetic database from the customers that they had before?
1: Yeah, so they they like, collected the data in the nineteen nineties. They discovered these certain markers in your G- DNA that affected things that were neutral. So, like your mitochondria or something like that. Your mitochondria is the energy um, fuel cell in your inside your cell. So, they realized that you can trace your mitochondria is only inherited through your mom. So. Each time there's a genetic mutation, and genetic mutation occurs randomly in your mitochondrial DNA, um, they can pinpoint, you know, how many centuries each mutation occurs, and then they can group populations together in terms of which mutations they have and which ones they don't.
0: Oh, I see.
1: And it all stems back to Africa going like 200,000 years ago, so... You know, if you have these five mutations, you might be Chinese or Japanese or European, depending which ones you have. Yeah, but
0: I'm curious because, like, this test is mainly done in America, in the United States. But, like, I got my a uh, gen- genetic test, and it shows that uh, the majority of my ancestors are from Guangdong province, Canton province. Mm. So I'm curious like in terms of which province a chinese person comes from I, I believe like this also applies to people from other countries like if you are from Korea which part if you are from Jap Japan which part like how do they decide that your ancestors are mainly from Canton province do they already have like a enough database from those customer chinese especially like chinese or asian customers that they had before Or is it just like a scientific knowledge that as long as you have scientific, like you have science background, you get to, you get access to this data and you have knowledge on how to use this data?
1: This is, this is, you know, it says um, where your DNA matches the most with other people. So out of all the places in the world, obviously your DNA matches most with other Chinese people. And you're saying where the the data comes from. So... Originally, when they were first studying this stuff, they could only really break people up into you know, several different groups, so maybe European, African, or Asian. But obviously, the more people that you have their DNA data for, if your pool size goes from 500 people to 10,000 people to 20,000 people, I'm pretty sure 23andMe has several million people now. Oh, wow. From all parts of the world. And America, you know, is interesting because, you know, we have people from all parts of the world anyway. So even mm-hmm. if you're Chinese-American, obviously your DNA is not going to show up as American. It's going to show up as Chinese.
0: I, I found this very uh, interesting. Like when you try to convince me to do this genetic text, uh, test, I wasn't, um, I wasn't very interested in the ancestry part because I know that I'm 100% Chinese. I already mm. know that. But I guess like for an American guy, American person, it's very interesting because like you never know um, up like two generations or three generations where your ancestors really come from because mm-hmm. it's an immigrant's country and people just mix and blend so much.
1: Yeah. And then especially, you know, if your parents are adopted or I mean, no, if you're adopted by your parents and you don't know what maybe you're Asian, but you don't know exactly where you come from in Asia or Africa or vice versa or something like that. Um.
0: Also, it reminded me of something very interesting that I read recently. So you know all those like um famous painting like Mona Lisa smile, George Washington's portrait, mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So one person I forgot whom, but he did an experiment. He found the descendants of those famous people, like Mona Lisa. Mm. Or George Washington. They found their ancestors, like, you know, maybe through this kind of, like, genetic connections and took exactly the same photo or the same portrait as their ancestor. And it's very interesting. I think George Washington's, um, like, George Washington's descendant is a black guy. He's not, like, completely black. Yeah. But he's like mixed and his features just present like he's mainly black, but he's like sort of like brown, uh mixed color, skin color.
1: Yeah, well obviously America is a melting pot, so you get tons of mixed race people and I think they said um like over eighty percent of African Americans have it's like vast majority, I think it's even like ninety percent or something like that. Of African-Americans have 20% um, of their DNA from white European ancestry. Oh, really? Just from the intermixing of, you know, slaves and masters and, you know, after slavery ended, the mixing of, you know, um, different classes of people and different races of people.
0: Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, I think... 23 and me got very popular in the states because so many people are just very curious about their ancestors like how many how, how many percent of them is european how many percent of them is asian and if european which country are we talking about here mm-hmm. and things like that so it got very popular in the united states so basically this genetic test will tell you uh, your ancestry like your which part you are originally from and the other things include also like your health report so it kind of tells you which kind of disease are you most susceptible to and that's the part i'm most interested in
1: yeah well i'm really interested in the ancestry
0: yeah why is that um
1: i've always because america you have a lot of emphasis especially a white american from the east coast you have a lot of emphasis on your ancestry um intermixing of like Irish Italian German English um French whatever it is and you have like folklore through your family so my dad would always self-identify as Irish because our paternal last name is Irish Mm -hmm. Cunningham it's an Irish name can also be Scottish too and um you know so he would really emphasize oh you're Irish you know I'm I'm like basically Irish and um you know, you're like fifty percent Irish or something like that. <laughs> mm. But when I actually did the twenty three and me several years ago. Yeah. I found it out I was I'm Irish, but I'm also a lot English too. So I have Uh a,
0: like which part of your family is it from your mom or your dad?
1: A little bit from my mom. Um
0: I saw your mom's dad is uh mainly Germany? German.
1: My mom's dad my grandfather is half German, half um scots irish and english
0: oh i see so you the, the the british part the english part of you is from that
1: yeah so i have a little bit of english from there and then my dad is mostly english and a little bit irish okay and a very small amount german so he's not as irish as we were led to believe mm-hmm. so was we, he
0: disappointed
1: i don't think he really minded and we also had like a very small fragment of our dna like one out of one thousand ancestors so, if you trace one out of 1,000 ancestors, that's going to be like 400 years ago, mm-hmm. was a black person. Oh, really? So, somewhere in like the 17th century, one of our ancestors was black. And, um, you know, it's just interesting how like people self-identify. And a lot of Americans also like to say that they're part Native American. Like my dad always said, we had a little bit Native American, just from folklore and family stories. And there was no turnout of any native american genes in us at all (laughs) zero percent zero percent oh
0: that's really (laughs) interesting funny
1: i mean it might be there and it might be so small and so long ago Mm -hmm. that not enough of it showed up
0: okay yeah i understand uh well in my case i was a little bit surprised too when i saw the report because like uh, i'm from Jiangxi province actually the north part of Jiangxi province and i know for sure because like my grandparents, uh, especially my grandpa from my dad's side, always o- like have always been telling these stories about his parents and his grandparents. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and one generation above that, have been living in the north part of Jiangxi province for so many years. Yeah. So, I was almost assured that my ancestry from Jiangxi province but it turns out like Guangdong Canton province is my real ancestry
1: well this is not necessarily describing your real ancestors it's saying these areas uh, you have your DNA is most common with these people
0: oh yeah that makes more sense so
1: it could be a little bit biased in either way so I have a feeling it might be the fact that maybe many of your ancestors from Jiangxi Mm -hmm. mm, immigrated to Guangdong or Canton and that's why it's showing such a high rate there I think it's possible because there's
0: there's been a migration
1: from Chinese people from the rural areas to the major cities Mm -hmm. so now if someone does this test and they have you know ancestry from a certain area it's going to show that these areas you know it's going to congregate kind of around the cities
0: I see what you mean so basically, you're saying that because. Uh, I'm saying it's a
1: minor, I'm not saying it's definite. I'm saying it could be a little uh, bit of a bias.
0: I think your explanation just now makes more sense to me. Because, like, with the development of urbanization, um, you know, people from like the central part, like Hunan, Jiangxi, uh, Hubei, Anhui, and et cetera, they immigrated to, they, they, they migrated to Canton, Shanghai. Uh, as well as like Jiangsu or Zhejiang
1: the, this might, to work th- in
0: those factories this like, is like a 200 ago. it's
1: possible like 200 year phenomenon before the factories because it says darker regions represent places where you have DNA mm-hmm. in common with more people who report ancestry from that particular region so these regions are self-reported ancestry so they're saying they're from Guangdong they're saying they're from Shanghai mm-hmm. they're saying that you know, their ancestors are from there. So it could be a little bit biased about what I'm saying, mm-hmm. or it could be also the fact that, you know, your ancestors are really from this area.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. I see. Here, so there well, are like two possibilities.
1: I will say though, that I would lean towards what the map says. Here's why. Um, because I, like I said, I have ancestors from all over Europe. Yeah. And two places in particular stuck out to me. Um, actually three. So in Italy, um, I knew my ancestors. There's northern Italy and there's southern Italy. And I knew that my ancestors were from southern Italy. Mm-hmm. But And my grandma had always says we were from Sicily or Calabria.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when the DNA came back from 23andMe, actually I didn't know originally which area of Italy it had, but they made this uh, software update and were able to pinpoint where we were from in Italy. And it did indeed show that Calabria was the strongest case and i know that it's 100 accurate because my grandma literally her parents came from calabria
0: oh i see I and
1: see. same with my grandfather in saxony germany that's another province in germany mm-hmm. that shows the highest region is highlighted and then the third one is manchester in england mm-hmm. so both on my dad's side and my mom's side our ancestors are in england are from manchester area oh wow so it's very, very accurate, at least it's for me. very accurate, yeah. So I would definitely say there might be a little bit bias towards major cities, but at, at the end of the day, I would trust this and say that most of your ancestors probably come from the Canton region.
0: Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Well, it could be. I mean, you never know. Um, China is a country that experienced a lot of turbulent changes, historical transformations, stuff, like people migrate to another country or... Stuff like that. Um, I also noticed... Do I have any genes from Taiwan? No. No, because
1: no, yeah, but- this is like hundreds... This is going to trace back like hundreds and hundreds of years. This is yeah. not recent immigration. Oh, yeah. So that... Yeah, that's interesting. That The fact that you don't have any Taiwanese is kind of an indicator that what we were saying about the major city thing is probably not true. Because you do have a lot of descendants that fled to to
0: Taiwan, right? Yeah. In 1949, yeah, my great an- uncle uh, went to Taiwan. So that's probably why this report also showed that I have like third or fourth cousin in the United States, which really surprised me.
1: You have plenty of them.
0: Yeah, I have plenty of them. Third, so, fourth, and fifth. So that's very surprising. I think it must have something to do with the fact that my great uncle went to Taiwan he lived there forever ever since 1949 and he had a lot of like um descendants mm-hmm. and he married a indigenous person people a person an indigenous woman from Taiwan. Oh, okay. So yeah, that could be it. Like I mean it's easier. I mean like a more Taiwanese people. more Taiwanese people live in I mean in pr- in, in terms of proportion more Taiwanese people Leaving the united states and chinese people right
1: yeah so these are your great so great 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 so like your great grandfather's father and grandfather um would be like your third and fourth and fifth cousin mm-hmm. so that goes back your great great grandfather might go back to like 1820 or something really oh long God. time <laughs> so you know it could be that they you're some of your great, great, great ancestors are from the Canton region. And we know that America Mm. has had been populated by the Hong Kong Canton region Mm -hmm. for like at least 200 years. They came to build the railroads. Yeah, true, true. they live in like kind of like the San Francisco area.
0: Yeah. So I have the most number of cousins in San Francisco, right? Mm -hmm. And then New York.
1: San Francisco, even LA Mm. and New York. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. Um, so, w- how about you? Like, you have Italian, British, Let Irish.
1: Br- um, <laughs> wait, hold on. Let's finish you up first, and then we can bring up mine, because we're actually looking at it on the computer right now. Okay. So, you had some other provinces here, but the strongest one is, the strongest relationship is definitely Canton. And then these other ones, I don't know how to pronounce.
0: Yeah, Zhejiang and Jiangsu. There.
1: So those are the two two and three most strongest correlation. Yeah. And then don't, didn't you say people said that you have the kind of like a facial complexion? Of
0: yeah, some people mentioned that. Um, like when I was studying Japan, uh, I would say I'm from China. Um, and some of them would ask, oh, are you from like Hong Kong, China? Uh, because, like, they feel like maybe I have, like, a high cheekbone. And my facial features just fit in with the southern part Ch- Chinese people. So, yeah, some yeah. people ask me that.
1: People always ask me if I'm, like, Northern European, like, Swedish or something really? like that. I
0: think when I first saw you, I just feel like you're Irish. Because, like, your uh, beard, your beard is a little bit red.
1: Yeah, yeah people that and then my brother is a little bit blonder than me so they ask him if he's swedish but mainly we i get a lot of german more so than irish like people ask me if i'm german which is true i'm like 20 percent german or something like that mm. um but so it here it says you have 1.4 of your ancestry is manchurian
0: <laughs> i don't even know like i really don't know where that comes from
1: probably the ching dynasty right
0: probably i really have no idea cuz i've i've been like living in the south part for my whole life and i know like everyone from my family just living the south part i don't know why i have like a manchu and Mongolia.
1: yeah probably you know probably from like different conquering and different um leadership throughout the centuries mhm uh, for sure but yeah manchu is definitely way up north mhm um But, and also another thing interesting, like, you kind of were inclined to get away from the colder winters and head towards the Canton region to work anyway.
0: That's very interesting. Now I look back, now I read my genetic test because I always hate those cold winter, coldness. So I'm always, like, trying to say, oh, when I graduate, when I got my PhD degree, I'm, like, I have to go to Shenzhen or Guangzhou this warm places that has no winter and then i got a job in shenzhen i went there i just love it i love the weather
1: yeah i think that's interesting i think maybe there's a tendency for us to go back to you know maybe there's some genes in us that despise the cold or kind of dislike the sun for me personally i my skin tone tends to be irish like you know pale kind of german i don't get tan at all and when i go out in the sun i just kind of get pink or red and I've always found, like, the sunny areas just kind of discomforting. Mm. And I always, like, when it, when it's like kind of partly cloudy out or a little bit rainy, mm-hmm. I feel, like, very energetic. Mm-hmm. And, like, a little bit, if it's mild temperature, like, cool, I feel like I have a lot of energy and, like, I like to exercise outside and stuff. But when it's, like, super hot and the sun's out all the time, I, I really don't like it.
0: So you also like extreme weather, I remember. You like typhoon, earthquake, storms, and stuff like that. How do you explain that?
1: I, I just, I don't know. I like when, you know, for example, we were in New Jersey two weeks ago. And I just like the fact that, you know, it could be really hot in the daytime. And then around like 3 or 4 p.m., like a thunderstorm could come over and cool everything off. Oh, wait. It rains a little bit.
0: Oh, wait. In U.K., the weather is pretty extreme. It's always cloudy and raining isn't it
1: yeah exactly so like in ireland and england it changes a lot too like could be sunny one minute could be
0: <laughs> that is so cool man that is so interesting yeah like in our nature we just want to go back to the uh the place where our ancestors come from that is so interesting
1: i think there might be some truth to that yeah yeah all right let me switch to my dna
0: yeah So, yeah, you are mainly Northwestern European?
1: Yeah, and most of my... Northwestern
0: European, so...
1: Most of my DNA is uh, British and Irish because they're kind of too genetically similar to each other, believe it or not. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So it's kind of hard to... They used to not be able to distinguish the two at all, but Uh in recent years, there's been so many people um, submitting their data that now they can distinguish, you know, which part of England you're from or which part of Ireland... Um, so like I said, I have, an- I have ancestors from the southern part of Ireland, and I also have ancestors from Manchester area of England, which is kind of uh, like Liverpool area, Manchester, mm-hmm. uh, northwestern England. I see,
0: I kind see. Kind of close
1: to Scotland.
0: That's pretty cool. I mean, we should go visit there someday.
1: I definitely, I've always wanted to go visit there. Um, I just never made the trip. Yeah. I was thinking about studying abroad in England. Uh, believe it or not, a couple of years ago.
0: What happened? Why didn't you do it?
1: A- <laughs> Too much money. <laughs> well, also, I like the freedom. So like I always wanted then after that, I was just like, I'm just going to study, get this over with, save up some money. And then as soon as I graduate, go just live somewhere for three months so I can just spend all of my time um, in that country just exploring.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fun.
1: And then I have uh, like 12% German and French. Again, German and French. Uh, the ancestry between German, Germany and France are so similar because mm-hmm. the, the France actually comes from the word Frank and the Franks were another Germanic tribe. Okay. So they're very genetically similar. It's ca- kind of hard to sparse the two. Yeah. Um, but it looks like I have some ancestry from Western France and from Saxony in Germany. So I'm a real Saxon.
0: Yeah, I can see you ger- as German. Mm-hmm. I can totally see you as German because, like, all of the German guys have, like, fair skin and blonde hair like you do. Most of them, I mean.
1: And then, uh, obviously, I know that my grandma is 100% Italian, and it, this DNA test pretty much confirms that because mm. most of my ancestors are from, um, oh, no, 25% of my ancestry is Italian. Mm-hmm with sicily and calabria showing the most uh dna correlation
0: oh my god sicily is a beautiful place
1: yeah also another place i want to go italy for sure yeah yeah italy and ireland and england
0: yeah all right I think your ancestry report is definitely more interesting than mine. I'm like 96% Chinese.
1: Yeah, but think about it. It's only... You say that, but when you say that, you're you're not making like a genetic um, evaluation there. You're making a historical one because think about it. Europe, Europe is basically a Chinese country that was never unified. You guys used to have the Seven Kingdoms. Mm. Well, Europe especially Western Europe, is also like seven large kingdoms. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the problem is there's too many uh, mountainous regions that separate them, and it's too hard for one European country to conquer the whole thing. Think about like what Germany tried to conquer everybody. Or when Rome, you you can only do it for so long before it just becomes too, um, um, too indefensible, you know?
0: Yeah, if you put it that way, I think um makes sense. It's almost like, you know, those provinces in China could also be considered as the different countries in Europe. Because yeah. basically, in those days, in in戰國時期, like we have different wu guo, shu guo, like different uh, countries. Yeah. But and think It ab- got re- re- like unified.
1: And think about it, it's like, you know, China, from what I read, they conquered, you know, along the Yangtze River. I think the original, like, tribes emerged out of there and began conquering each other. And when you're on this um, river plain, you know, it's easier to cross back and forth and conquer other neighboring tribes and other neighboring kingdoms. But in Europe, it's just, it, you have to, for example, to get to from France to Spain, you have to go over thousands mountains that are fourteen thousand feet just to get into spain Mm -hmm. when you go to england from france you have to cross an entire 50 miles of ocean to get to england so it's it's a much harder thing to unify the whole of europe Mm. so but genetically yeah i mean chinese china is pretty diverse as well genetically diverse maybe not Mm country-wise maybe not heritage-wise but genetically you guys have cantonese heritage you have manchu you have Mongolian. You have, um, you know, southwestern populations,
0: and we also have a lot of Koreans.
1: Yeah, you have Koreans in the yeah. north.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much about the ancestry part. And then another big chunk of this genetic test is a uh, genetic test report is the um, health report, right? So basically, by reading the genetic sequence of yours. They give you a report concerning what kind of disease are you most susceptible to, and uh, maybe even some suggestions on how to avoid uh, this kind of high risk. So in my case, I'm pretty. I have like pretty good genes in terms of health. The only thing I need to uh, pay attention to is probably my eyesight. So the age-related macular degeneration. Uh. I think I've always I've always known that because like short sightedness is kind of like inherited. Mm. Um, we got it from my dad, I think.
1: It might not be short sightedness. I'm it, just
0: saying that the eyesight in my family has always been very weak. Yeah,
1: so I have this particular so. increased risk for this this macular degeneration too, and one of my grandmas she has this macular degeneration. And the I'm not sure about, like, the actual um, physiology of this, but the macula is, like, a part of the eye. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure which part it is, but, you know, obviously, according to this, it degenerates with age. Mm -hmm. So they just said it's something to watch out for, wear a hat, sunglasses, uh, you know, don't smoke, eat healthy. It's pretty much all you can do. (laughs)
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, and,
1: yeah. One of the biggest things on here and they give you a lot of um, precautions with this is the BRCA1 and BRCA2 Mm, what is that this is a tumor suppressant gene so you actually if you are positive for these you should go to a real genetic counselor so he can guide you through what this means for you oh really Um, yeah because this is if you have this gene it means you have your cells have a likelihood to reproduce um and you know, just keep reproducing, which is a high risk for a cancer. Mm. So like uh, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, mm-hmm. um, mesothelioma, stuff like that is associated with this. So uh, luckily, luckily, neither of us have this any of these gene variants.
0: I'm actually pretty concerned, because um, like y- y- you can you can basically kind of like see these kind of things from your families from your family members. So, like, uh, I think one of my aunts got breast cancer and my grandpa passed away because of lung cancer.
1: Yeah, so...
0: So, I was, like, pretty worried because, like, the cancer genes is sort of, like, in the family and especially if there's, like, a...
1: But also... A
0: female member who has breast cancer. I'm just, like, always worried.
1: Also, you guys Uh, are a developing country, though, and... For the past hundred years, think about all the countless things that your ancestors were exposed to in factories, in farms. No, that
0: aunt actually didn't work a lot in the factory. She has been a housewife. Just the so air wife. quality. But the problem is when she grew up, like the air quality, she grew up in a village and the air quality should be very good.
1: Mm, I'm not sure that that's accurate. There's a lot of steel processing, a lot of basically in any industrial country, mm. your air quality, in the, in Britain in the 19th century when it was industrial country, it's not industrial anymore, it's a service-based economy as, along with America. Um, you know, there was horror stories of just working in the steel factories, the coal factories. Um, you know, all this stuff gets put into the atmosphere and it gets carried by winds and stuff and gets dispersed throughout the country.
0: So I guess it's fair to put it this way, like, the genetic influence is definitely very strong. But you should also take other factors into account, like the environment you live in, as well as the lifestyle you're living right now, as well as the stress level in your life. Because I do know this aunt is very susceptible to uh, mood swing.
1: Okay. She's
0: very um, bad-tempered. I saw her beating her own grandchildren like in front of me. So... If you actually do that in front of the other people then that's a sign that this person has a problem controlling her own emotions. So I can say that she is having like mood swing and probably like you said she worked in the factory in Canton province for like several years. Oh she um, did. She did but not for very long I believe maybe like again we years, don't like know, three or you know again, we years. don't know what
1: kind of exhaust or fumes or anything you're exposed to in such conditions. Um You know, so, for example, my grandma got uh, lymphoma, which is not a very serious cancer, but she got it. And we think we trace it back to the fact that she was an Italian immigrant and her mom used to pick strawberries in New Jersey. And she would go out there as a little girl and help pick the strawberries. And at the time, this was the 1930s, they would spray the fields with pretty much whatever they wanted because we didn't have environmental protections in the United States. You mean
0: pesticide?
1: Pesticides, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, pesticides, herbicides, Oh. Uh, stuff like that. And we looked on, we did some research, and we found that lymphoma was actually genetic. Uh, traced to some use of some of these old pesticides that have since been um, phased out. But, but is that
0: I, your own research, or did the doctor tell you so?
1: Um, I'm not sure what the doctor said, but, yeah, me and my mom researched it, and we found, like, you know peer-reviewed studies saying that there's a connection between certain pesticides and lymphoma
0: yeah that's really bad Um, i mean not
1: that not for people to consume but for people for workers mm -hmm. there's always been a connection between workers and pesticides for Mm -hmm. farm workers and agricultural workers Mm -hmm. um so you never really know like you know in in developing places and low-skilled work like what kind of things you're being exposed to is my point
0: that's probably true. That's probably true.
1: And especially and if you sorry to interrupt, but if you live in a country where many people smoke, like 50% of the population, you're pretty much susceptible like enabling yourself to be susceptible to any number of diseases, cancers, heart disease, stroke cuz secondhand uh, smoke is like very serious as well as first.
0: I believe all of the environmental factors definitely influence Um, your susceptibility to the uh, uh, cancer, to whether you get cancer or not. But I believe like the most important factor, in my opinion, is your emotional health, your mental health, meaning the stress level you are experiencing, uh, as well as like whether you are mentally healthy or not. Because this aunt always gave me the impression that she is a little bit moody and a little bit depressed because she never went to school. Um, And she was the only one. She's the only one in the whole family. Like my grandma has many kids in those days. In those days. And she was the only one who never went to school. So I sort of like heard these stories that she told me when she went to work in another province, in Canton province. And she didn't even know how to write her own name. She has been complaining about that for years. And now she's probably in her... Fifty, late 50s she's still like a little bit whining about that you know i think so, stress
1: is is definitely yeah. really important but i don't think it's as important as being exposed to toxic chemicals i mean you don't think so no mm,
0: i don't know what kind of factory she worked in though
1: but i mean you're talking about a developing country you're talking about a countless number of chemicals or pollutants in the air that you could have been exposed to mm-hmm. in the water in pretty much anything mm-hmm. um you know, that's my that would be my primary concern of being brought up in China in the last hundred years or so.
0: But isn't it weird? Like in my family, I think one of my great uncle. What, is this? She he he lived until he was <laughs> nineteen eighty years old, and he has been a smoker for his whole life. Yeah. And every time we try to get my dad quit smoking, he always cite this example. He's like, "Look at whom and whom." He has been smoking for his whole life, and he lived a very, very healthy life until he passed away at 19
1: Basically, a very small percentage of the population, there's tons of research going on right now about this, um, how to prevent aging through, like, genetic therapies and stuff like that, and they're studying a very small percentage of the population that does seem to be resistant to, like, all kinds of environmental exposures, especially, like, smoking and they're studying what makes these people's genes and their dna and their cells resistant to this type of aging oh. just like being i'm sure they'll figure it out in the next century or so but oh. um for the time being yeah i mean it's just you know there's no good justification to be smoking
0: do you know that there's an AIDS patient who got cured there are only two cases of AIDS patient got cured and both of them had the same kind of surgery. They, uh, basically, they changed their spine. Do you know, like, it's a really big operation. And they got this donation from another person. And this person's genes happens to have the anti-AIDS genes. Oh, yeah. And they, they got cured of AIDS.
1: Yeah, there's been cases of, of people with, like, a resistance to, uh, yeah, to, to AIDS. AIDS. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And they got the uh spine uh cells from that person and they got cured although oh, they have yeah, yeah. been tested they had been tested so kind of like a of before
1: yeah i know what you're talking about like a yeah. kind of like a stem cell type of operation
0: yeah yeah so and also with the uh 19 i think in some eastern countries they are trying to treat people with the blood of those people who actually have recovered from COVID 19.
1: Yeah, so that's it's interesting you mentioned that. They said on, on 23andMe on my site and your site, they said, would you like to sign up to be part of a COVID study? COVID. Oh. So one of the cool things I really like about 23andMe is the health and the ancestry, but also they're continually updating this stuff. Wow, that's They're really asking cool, yeah. you to, to participate in different surveys. They're doing more uh, genetic ana- analysis, um, and they're finding new things and helping contribute Um, the genetic research all the time Mm -hmm. and if we could figure out something like genetic resistance to covid i mean that would be um, extraordinary you know discovery Mm -hmm. so
0: didn't they say like i I think one of the uh, guests in joe rogan's podcast mentioned i I think it's the uh, female doctor she mentioned that asian people actually have the genes more resistant to covid19 virus
1: was it? I don't know if it was genes. I think it was antibodies, or or something, or T cells. I'm not sure.
0: Uh, I'm not sure the exact word. What, what exact word she used, but she she was basically saying that Asian people are more, uh, resistant or more inclined to recover from the coronavirus. Yeah. I don't know if if it's true or not because it's just uh her opinion.
1: Yeah, I think that was in regards to the antibodies, maybe from the original SARS or something like that. Or the T cells. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Would
0: you like to mention something about your diabetes inclination?
1: My diabetes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, interestingly enough, I came back as an increased likelihood, more so than the average person for type 2 diabetes, which is the one you get. Well, they're both inherited, right? So, but type 2 diabetes kind of comes at like a later age, like 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. And you get it. You can get it from eating, you know, very poorly. Type one is the t- type of diabetes that kind of comes on as like a young person or a teenager. Really? And they have there are
0: teenagers who have diabetes. I don't even know. Type that. one. Type one. And
1: they don't know your insulin just basically um, stops functioning properly. Mm. Whereas type two, you're like building a slow intolerance to insulin or something like that Mm. but you know both have the same end result but type one is almost impossible to fix and you actually have to have an insulin pump to give you new insulin Mm. whereas type two people kind of just have to watch their blood sugar you know take pills to artificially you know deflate their blood sugar
0: isn't it crazy that you have like more susceptibility to type 2 diabetes and you just crave sugar and sweet stuff so much
1: I don't think I crave I don't even it like so it much.
0: I don't even like sweet stuff so much yeah so my like tactic
1: babies. is is like when I go grocery shopping I don't buy sweet stuff especially if I'm single and nobody's buying it for me I just avoid buying any sweet stuff and then I'm totally fine cuz then I'm like oh then I have to go all the way out to buy some sweet stuff It's just not worth the effort. And I know that sweet stuff makes you fat. It's Mm -hmm. bad for your heart. And, you know, for me, it's like diabetes risk. So for me, like the best thing, like Oreos, like I like Oreos a lot, but I can't buy them at the grocery store because Mm -hmm. I will eat, you know, the whole box and it just be bad. So I, I tend to buy like, you know, just vegetables, meats, you know, protein shakes, healthy stuff so crazy
0: that the genes and genetic influences explains so much. Yeah. Like, for me, I'm a person who prefers salty stuff to uh, sweet stuff. So, I buy sweet stuff like candies and cookies, Oreo and stuff. But I have a very good self-control to eat. For example, I have like a box of uh, Oreo cookies. I will mm-hmm. eat probably like two after dinner
2: mm-hmm.
0: every day or... Every other day, basically, I feel like the I feel a little bit crave for sweet stuff, but I have a good control not to eat the whole box like in one day. Yeah, and I feel very very disgusted if I eat the whole box. Sometimes if I lose self control, well, I think everyone and I have feels no disgusted. Yeah, exactly. I have no understanding. I just couldn't understand per- people who actually eat the whole box. Yeah, and don't feel disgusted at all. And now, when I read these genetic reports and I understand more stuff, I was like, well, you know, everything got explained.
1: Yeah. So, you know, basically this stuff, type 2 diabetes, like the likelihood is inherited, but for what percentage, um, you know, what percentage of this is environment, what percentage of it is genetic. So, you know, there's an increased likelihood but based on like my upbringing and stuff and my I was exposed mm-hmm. to sports, I was exposed to eating healthy. Uh, my dad's like a, you know, Olympic, you know, level wrestler, like so he knows a lot about staying in shape and he always told us how to weight train and run and stuff. So okay. I think I'm very unlikely to actually get diabetes, mm-hmm. but my grandpa for example, on uh, my mom's side, he was from the generation before working out was a popular thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he uh, developed diabetes in his 50s and he would always eat like ice cream and sweets and stuff like that. Mm. So it's definitely a very real risk in my family.
0: Definitely. I totally agree. Uh, Genetic influence is definitely strong factors uh, that you should... Strong influences that factor into your health condition. But you can actually make efforts... Especially after you do this genetic test and you got your genetic report, especially after that, you know what you should avoid doing and what you should do more. So, through by doing that, you actually control or you, you totally reduce or lower the risk of you getting diabetes or whatever other disease you are susceptible to.
1: Yeah, I was actually listening to the Sam Harris podcast this morning and he was talking to a behavioral geneticist, and they were talking about the inherited risk of becoming an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and they said it was around 40 percent so 40 percent um like or not likelihood but 40 percent of the heritability is determined by genetics
0: so uh does it mean that if your parents are alcoholic either one of your parents is alcoholic there is a 40 percent chance that you will be an alcoholic or does it mean that if one of your parents is alcoholic you turn out to be an alcoholic but only 40 percent of the reason that you become an alcoholic is genetic.
1: they actually specifically said that's not the second thing is not the case so it's not like if you're if you're like if uh height if height is 70 percent inheritable yeah. Um, then, if you're like five foot six, then you know, or if you're six foot four five, that me- doesn't mean thirty percent of your height is due to environment. It's just seventy um, percent of the frequency in the population, I believe, is heritable. So, like, it's kind of hard to yeah, discuss I- this without an expert <laughs> in genetics. <laughs> yeah. But, um. You know, like yeah,
0: I, al- I sort of got you. Alcohol- I got you, me, for you mean for alcoholics,
1: so you know, in a in a population, um throughout the population, alcoholism is forty percent heritable. So it more often than not, it's environment and nurture could be part of that environment or mm-hmm. some unlearned thing in the environment, like something you're exposed to. And for a learned thing in the environment so mm-hmm. if you know they mentioned this so if you know for example that well i have this increased likelihood of becoming an alcoholic based on my parents or grandparents or something like that
2: yeah
1: well for example to become an alcoholic you first thing you have to do is drink alcohol but if you never drink alcohol then you're never going to become an alcoholic mm-hmm. so f- my dna might for example say that i have an increased risk to be a cigarette smoker because You know, I like caffeine. I like stimulants. I probably would like nicotine as well. Yeah. I know my brother likes nicotine. But the thing is, I'm very stubborn to the idea of trying a cigarette because I know how addictive they are. Mm -hmm. And I also really hate cancer. So (laughs) I don't want (laughs) to.
0: So you never tried cigarettes?
1: Not once. I think one time at a party like two years ago, but I was too drunk to even reconcile what it felt like. So yeah, I'm never going to, like, actually go buy a pack of cigarettes. I'm never going to just start smoking cigarettes. It's just, n- it's never going to happen for me. Okay. Unless I, like. So,
0: you're not sure, like, if you actually try cigarettes, whether you're going to get addicted or not.
1: I'm not sure. I think it's a likely because my brother, Mike, is, I have pretty similar genetics to him in many ways. And I I feel like we, we have a similar temperament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he got he likes caffeine a lot. I like caffeine a lot. nicotine is pretty similar to caffeine in in many ways and i feel Mm -hmm. like if i got on nicotine i would probably really like it Mm -hmm. but i'm just the difference between him and i is that he's kind of more loose with his lifestyle Mm -hmm. and i'm more rigid so i pick several days a week and i always work out on time every day Um, i always eat certain things and he's kind of just more loose and flexible so I've totally x out nicotine from my life because I don't want to be addicted to it.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the correct thing to do for sure.
1: And that, you know, that part of our personality might be heritable as well, like how loose you are and how rigid you are.
0: Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. I mean, uh, I basically think in the same way as you do because I see, like my dad has been a smoker and a drinker for his whole life. I see how this could influence him in a certain way because like, you know, once you got a, you got to be an alcoholic. You just keep drinking and it's just not really good for you. And smoking is the same case. I mean, smoking and drinking, once you got addicted to it, you just can't get off. Um, or at least it's going to be very hard for you to get off. So I always kind of like warn myself, you have this addictive genes uh, from your dad to alcohol and to smoking. So, never even try it. And uh, I just try to avoid alcohol or cigarettes as much as I can. And, of course, I didn't get addicted to any of it. So, yeah, basically, I share your idea. I, I got you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it's, culture plays a lot, too. So, like, both my parents are really into working out. But none of my grandparents are into working out. Because they come from that old silent generation. Like before World War Two, when people didn't really know about working out that much, they didn't know the benefits that you know. So that's another thing. And then I obviously always work out and so did like so do my brothers. So mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and know, um another thing that I wanna mention is I always have like uh emotion sickness more serious than everybody else around me. Mm. And my grandma from my dad's side is horrible horrible in motion sickness basically she couldn't riding any sort of uh, moving vehicle including bike including uh like automobile anything so she has very very serious motion sickness and i think i've sort of like part of uh, partially got it So I have a more serious motion sickness than the others?
1: Yeah, that's interesting as well because they mentioned in the podcast earlier on Sam Harris is like... So what if you... A population is... Alcohol dependence is 40% heritable, but if a population like maybe original native Hawaiians, Mm. if they never have alcohol, then no one's ever going to be an alcoholic there. So the data is kind of based on the current situation. Okay, I see. So like your grandma, for example, I'm sure... You know, very few people in China in the 1800s and 1700s were uh, driving around on moving objects, maybe with a horse and buggy or something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But ca- cars didn't, and trains weren't very popular until, like, the, what, 70s or 60s? Um,
0: cars, I, I don't know when cars got into the picture, but... I mean, people start to have their own family cars maybe since 2000.
1: Yeah, so like pretty that. recently. And for yeah, Americans, it's recent. like 1940s or after World War II. Um, so, yeah, you know, it might be true that a, a large number um, in the population in China or in your hometown or in your province, you know, maybe they have this susceptibility to motion sickness.
0: I heard that motion sickness has something to do with something like in your ear.
1: Yeah, like I think it's
0: some it's some sort of imbalance, like uh, the lack of capability of balancing yourself. Yeah, because you don't have certain things in your ear or something again. So does well, that mean that I'm going to have motion sickness forever? And there's basically nothing they can do,
1: probably nothing you can do. But well, for example, one of the things that has always gotten better is um, technology and airplanes and cars and and trains has been more stable so they've learned how to stabilize things I
0: hope though I hope so yeah
1: The last time you had a big episode was in the boat last summer that we took Oh
0: wow, that was horrible horrible
1: because it was going over just big, yeah. big and the boat wasn't very advanced technology so it was so there wasn't much we could do but So
0: I can never be a sailor Yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so i'm sure yeah this is, there's many different factors to this stuff it's very complex like maybe if your ancestors lived on the coast and you came from a, a fishing uh ancestry maybe you know those genes for motion sickness wouldn't really be there and yeah you know
0: mm.
1: all different stuff like that
0: yeah isn't it crazy like how strong and influenced that Genes actually exert upon your life and how you behave, your personality, your yeah. health condition and stuff like that. It's basically, it's, well, of course, as we said just now, if you keep working out, eat healthy, and you're always cautious about what kind of things you can get addicted to and never try it. Of course, you can maintain your condition way much better than, you know, the other way.
2: Yeah.
0: But well, it's just like the genetic influence is just so strong. Like there are several things that you cannot decide, it cannot avoid. Yeah. Like lactose intolerance, motion sickness. These are basically written in your genes, and you can't do anything about it, unless it you drink a like little bit. lactose-free milk, which is not the same thing.
1: Yeah, with with certain physical genes, there's very few things you can do.
0: Yeah. What right? I will
1: say is, like being an American and having a lot of my ancestors come to America in the past hundred fifty years. Um. obviously there's a history of racism and stereotypes and discrimination in America against all groups, uh, especially blacks and natives and even, but people don't realize this, even in the 19th century, a lot of Italians were discriminated against. A lot of Irish were discriminated against for their stereotypes of them. And, but one I one thing I want to say is that in my own family, it was, we did highlight like which traits came from which, part and you know the the traits that we inherited from my grandma's side um are very stereotypical italian like not very likely to be uh an alcoholic but more likely to be interested in gambling and doing small business exchanges and selling things like my grandma's always going to the casino she's always like getting rid of her old stuff and trying to sell it okay and like you know it <laughs> It sounds funny, but it's so true. And then actually when 23 of me came out it said Southern European DNA on the Mediterranean is way less likely to be uh, addicted to alcohol. Mm-hmm. and Northern European is way more likely to um, be you know lonely. So Mediterraneans are more social and less likely to be addicted to alcohol. Northern Europeans um, tend to be more isolated. Mm -hmm. more more willing to isolate and more addicted to alcohol i see yeah yeah so and then obviously in my german and my irish side family tree we do have history of Mm -hmm. addiction uh to alcohol Mm -hmm. and some other drugs and stuff
0: i think we should um like we have been spending the whole conversation talking about how strong the genetic influences can exert on you but we should never forget that the environment as well as the culture aspects also influence you so much. Because you were mentioning like different parts of Europe. Uh, people present different traits and personalities. Yeah. It's the same case in China. Like, um, if you say you're from Henan province, then we probably, you know, think very negatively of you because um, this region has been poor uh, for many years. Oh, okay. And, um, Maybe there are a lot of like stealing and, 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 um, I don't know, like a scam sort of thing. Okay. But I mean, never ever generalize people just because they are from a certain area. But it's just like the general impression that people have in China. Yeah. And if you are from, you say you're from, uh, Shandong province, because Confucius is from Shandong. So we probably think, or you're very, very traditional okay. patriarch, uh, a patriarchal st- type, yeah, because you always emphasize those Confucius manners, Confucius customs, and stuff like that,
2: yeah.
0: And if you say you're from Canton Province, well, then probably we think you are more like business oriented, yeah, and you are like more open to like different cultures and stuff like that, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. It's just interesting, like. Yeah, I wanted to go back to that. So, yeah, you're right. Some of it is cultural, but I have, you know, my dad's obviously the Irish tradition. My grandma's the Italian. She's very stereotypically Italian. My grandpa's very German. So my grandma, my grandpa actually worked on airplanes in World War II, and oh, the really? stereotype of Germans is to be good at engineering. Yeah. So he helped.
0: What, what did he do? He helped. Like a he repairman? actually
1: taught. No, he was actually so good at it that he taught other. Repairmen, how to engineer these planes and how to repair them if they're broken down in the Korean War.
0: Oh. That is actually a big thing in Germany, I believe. If you if you are a repairman for the aircrafts, yeah. I think they pay you very good. Very good. And um it's cool like you get this kind of degree from the universities of applied science. Yeah. And then you get a degree of probably like in the um, aircraft engineering, repairing and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's actually a very good paying job.
1: Yeah. So he just has that engineer brain. Um, he kind of has like a reserved, calm temperament. So like in our family, anyone like me or my brother, Mike, a little bit like if you're like a little bit reserved and have a calm temperament, they say, oh, that's that Basler gene. It comes from the uh, German side. And then if they say like, oh, if you're really outgoing and funny and a little bit crazy, then you have that Irish Cunningham gene, Mm -hmm. which is what my dad's side would be. Mm -hmm. So there's like, you know, it's kind of a stereotype. It's kind of pseudoscience in a way, but it's also kind of accurate to the traditional stereotypes from these regions, like Irish, outgoing, Mm -hmm. funny, Mm -hmm. likes to drink, stuff like that.
0: Um, if you say that, then I, I don't know. Like I should probably try doing business or sort of stuff. Like the three major ancestry of me is Canton, Zhejiang, and Jiangsu, and all of the three provinces are very well known for doing business. Oh, okay. Maybe I have businessman's brain. I should give it a try. That's maybe. possible. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean you could could go on for a long time, like kind of uh, deciphering like what this all means, what it could mean. But again, like even our top scientists don't know exactly, you know, the genetic origins of things. It's just really a relatively new field. In the past twenty years, they're figuring out so much stuff. Like Mm -hmm. they used to think, for example, that no, it was completely impossible for any humans to have uh, genes from Neanderthal, which are you know, a separate species of human that went extinct like 30,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they say, there's no way they could have been a There's, there's no evidence for it. this. I remember reading books in like 2005. It's saying there's no evidence for any of this. And then 2011, 12 come along and there's like huge discovery. Everybody that had migrated outside of Africa for the past, like 80,000 years, including me, you, um, Australian people, Indian people, Uh, Middle Eastern people have some Neanderthal DNA, like around 2%. I think the average is Mm 1.3. But your results show that you have more than even the average person uh, on 23andMe, so you have 2%. Is
0: that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: I don't know. It all depends what you think. (laughs) Neanderthals were short and really strong, so maybe... (laughs) Well, I am very short.
0: Uh, That's very insulting and racist.
1: <laughs> no, but they say, you know, they're still finding out a lot about Neanderthals and what they were like. They said, they used to think stereotypes is like, oh, just a dumb caveman with a big club. That's what Neanderthal is. But actually, no, they're finding out they had religious ceremonies, they buried their dead, they had artwork in Europe and Germany, mm-hmm. um, like 30,000 years ago. So there's, you know, very highly um, sophisticated and these are not humans, by the way. These are... Um,
0: Chimpanzee?
1: No, no. They're Neanderthal. Homo Neanderthal, I believe mm-hmm. their species name is. Mm-hmm. But they're not Homo sapiens like we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah. I, and I have a little bit as well. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, genetic bi- biotechnology is definitely developing and evolving at a speed that we... Cannot even follow. So, um, like, with their database being enriched and, and stuff, I believe, like, there might be more detailed follow-up uh, for me.
1: Yeah, because yeah. actually your results are pre- preliminary. So they are trying it. They, there's a couple part of your DNAs that said uh, undetermined yet or unassigned. Yeah. And usually they're going to do some more evaluations and find out what that little remaining fragment is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah it's pretty cool stuff i remember when i first tried this out they couldn't actually east asians and native americans dna were so similar that they couldn't even tell the difference so like they couldn't tell if you're from china or from uh america
0: oh my god that is a big difference
1: but this was like 2012 the the technology has moved so far along that now they can even tell where you're probably from in china uh. before it was just like east asian and native americans are the same category
0: I could see why this could be so interesting for American people. Because, like, most of you guys have, like, a mixture of, like, several different countries and stuff. I mean, 23 and Me are also doing their commercials in China right now. But I, I just I just don't see such a big interest or passion in such a genetic test among Chinese people. Because, like, most of us identify ourselves as just as Han Han uh, ethnic group, uh, not yeah. ethnic group, I mean Han group, and uh, Chinese. And we know that, like, generations of our ancestors just leaving one province.
1: Here's why I... it's interesting. I know that you guys have, like, a single heritage. Um, you know, your country has been basically unified for, like, 2,000 years or so. But here's the thing. When you think about future generations and what kind of traits we want to find and what kind of traits prevent disease... And we're going to be able to even select which traits our kids may have. In the wow, several, that would be so cool. You know, how tall they are, how smart they are. It's going to be incredibly profound. And the re- how we do this, mm-hmm. the only way we do this is by getting more, uh, you know, data into the system. So that every person that signs up, they find out something new.
0: I mean, if like our genetic test actually contribute to their scientific research, they should make this test free. Because we are part of the contribution, <laughs> yeah, and they can totally do something like medical um, I think there's a couple of
1: lawsuits happening over that as we speak. What does that mean? Um, you know, people suing the company saying, like, we didn't give you authorization to just oh. use our DNA in any way you want. But I'm all for it. I don't care what they do with my yeah, DNA. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think they should do as much as they can. I want to know about as much as possible about my health and my ancestry and everything.
0: Yeah, I think the health report is really cool because you get to know like what kind of disease you're susceptible to and you can totally change your lifestyle as well as like certain things to um, avoid the possibility of it being happening, of it happening. Like Angelina Jolene, I think she did some kind of genetic test and says uh, she has a high risk of getting breast cancer. Yeah. And then she just cut
1: mastectomy I yeah. yeah
0: i don't know how to, how to say mastectomy it. a mastectomy yeah so that she can reduce the risk of getting breast cancer
1: yeah um yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading about that yeah and um one of the other things there's just so many uses like one of the things they found out so in the 1980s there was this guy called the golden state killer and golden state is nicknamed for california and do you know how they found out who he was? They found him out. He's been, like, running free for, like, 40 years. Oh, my God. And do you know how they found him?
0: Let me guess. Um, I don't know. You should give me some hint.
1: The 23andMe.
0: Oh, through that? He yes. did a genetic test?
1: No, so the thing is, like, one of his crime sites, they have the uh, DNA, right? So I guess they gathered some hair or some blood. Uh-huh. And it's kind of hard to determine at the crime site whose blood was what, but they ran this blood, and then they found out like another site that had the same hair, same DNA. Mm-hmm. So they had his DNA processing for a while, but they finally put it in the twenty three andMe system, and it has like a bunch of the one of the other features on here is you can click relatives and say, where are all my relatives in this uh system? Mm-hmm. And if you have a second cousin you know, first cousin, which is, you know, or grandfather, whatever it is, they found like several of his relatives, like second cousins, third cousins had signed up for this website and put their DNA in. So once you can pinpoint down, it's like, oh, we know your second cousin is this person and we know your third cousin is this person and we know your other second cousin is this person and we know your brother is this person. There's only one person that you can be at a certain point just like arithmetic right
0: i see what you mean but now i feel insecure
1: yeah so like
0: 23andme I, i'm pretty sure i clicked uh, i allow them to use my dna for their database or for their research whatever so that means like if the government whichever government we're talking about wants to track me down they can just uh you know talk to 23andme
1: well, just don't commit any crimes and I
0: I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna commit any crime. I'm just saying that it's just a little bit um
1: No, they say? the cops so the It federal, makes me insecure. The federal police had this guy's DNA sample from like a hair or blood or some stain or something. Yeah. So all they did was just run they like ran the same DNA fragments through this system.
0: But didn't he say that American corporations have the freedom not to disclose their Customer or clients' information to the government, even well, no. if the government requested them to. It's do not so. a request.
1: It's not a request.
0: Well, it's not.
1: Mm-mm. So basically, on here it says, "Do you want to share your your DNA information with not your relatives? Like, do you want to see who your relatives are?" And mm-hmm. you said yes. You says you have nine hundred thirty three relatives on the twenty three and Me site, and for you, it's all third and fourth cousins. Yeah. So it'd be probably pretty hard to track down who you were exactly. But if <laughs> once you get down to second cousins, like, for example, I only have about uh, maybe 12 second cousins. So you can kind of pinpoint who I am uh, to a certain degree. Especially, yeah, I, put I, my, I, got,
0: I got you. Yeah, I put
1: my dad in there. I put my mom in there. And I even put my grandma mm. in here and mm. my grandpa. Or no, no, yeah, just my grandpa. Mm-hmm. So I have like a. they can definitely tell who I am. Um, you know that's
0: pretty scary man
1: but again this is a guy that with the current technology like you know with the 1980s technology they were never able to find this guy at all I think he ended up being some kind of like police officer actually oh
0: my god really
1: I think so I think he was a police officer in San Francisco Bay Area and yeah he's I think he's on trial or he might be in prison already but he's like an old man now like 80 years old
0: that's probably why he 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 can uh just hide himself for so many years cuz he's a police officer. Yeah. And he knows all of the counter um detective or counter investigative stuff.
1: They're still looking for the um the Zodiac killer. He's also in the California area and they made a popular movie about him uh called Zodiac in like 2005 mm-hmm. and with Robert Downey Jr. About like the investigation for this guy, and he 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 was using like he would put these notes with like the zodiac symbols mm. and say like uh you know certain weird crypto cryptic messages and stuff, but I don't know maybe they can find that guy too with twenty three me
0: I hope so, yeah, definitely for sure,
1: so that yeah, that's just another example of something that this could be used for,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's basically everything we have to talk about today, right? I think so. Yeah, so I think uh, I got like a little bit carried away and too excited about my own genetic test report. I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Um, the part that most interests me is the uh, health report. So I got to know like what kind of disease I'm most susceptible to. But very luckily i have very good genetic uh, genes so basically if i don't do something really bad i'm gonna be very healthy until i'm 80 or 19 right i think
1: so it depends <laughs> what you were already exposed to
0: <laughs> yeah okay so yeah that's pretty much it okay bye bye see you next time